Hey there, welcome to Board Game Hot Takes, the podcast where we give our immediate reactions to the hottest board games just minutes after playing them. My name is Tim. And this is Chris. This is Adam. And I'm Jen. And today, instead of giving our hot take review of a game we just finished playing, we're going to do our third annual top five games we want to play episode. So we're going to be taking a look at last year's list, talking through which ones we got played, which ones we didn't, what we thought about them really quickly. And then we'll jump into this year's list and we're going to talk about games. It could be brand new games. It could be upcoming games and they could be old games that we just haven't gotten around to yet. And we're excited about that. We really want to get played in this upcoming year. This list is always really fun for me. One, it gets me a chance to hear what Chris and Adam and Jen are thinking about, especially Jen, because I know that means I'm probably buying the game if she wants to play it. But uh, truer words have never been spoken from Tim. Like sometimes he says words that are accurate and sometimes they're just straight up facts with lots of exclamation points at the end. So the other reason why this is exciting is because what happens a lot of the time is if we're going to play some of these games, we'll be doing a full feature review of them, or at least we may talk about them on the show. So this will give you a little bit of an indication of some of the games, some of the episodes we may do in this upcoming year. But let's just jump right in. I didn't do a poll this week, so we're going to skip right over that and we're going to jump right into our top five games we want to play, except we're going to look at last year's list first. Now, this is going to release right before Christmas. So this is going to be our official holiday episode. There was many holiday puns you want to in this episode or don't it'll be more timely that way or timeless it'll be more timeless that way <laughs> if you don't have any holiday puns in it it'll be more timely if you actually did have holiday puns in it but before we jump into the <laughs> i'm getting really weird looks over here and you're gonna get coal in your stocking with all this bad talk man <laughs> before we jump into this coming year's list as i mentioned we're gonna start with last year's list and we're gonna start with uh, the number five, and Chris's number five last year, the game he was excited to play for the first time was going to be Azul. Chris, did you get it played, and what do you think? Yes, I did get to play Azul. In fact, we did an episode on it, and if I remember right, I think I probably played Azul for the first time, like, I don't know, within days of recording that episode. Yeah. And now I love it. But actually, no, I went through a, I went through an up and down on this one. I loved it because it's a fun game, and then I hated it because... I played Adam too many times and he and his spreadsheet are like the death star of gaming. So now I've kind of like lost heart and I don't play it anymore, but I should. I just remember being so excited for you, Chris. Like we had this mutual adoration of how excited you were for me on some game last year and how excited I was for you on, on Azul. And so I can't remember which one it was for me, but I am ecstatic that this was back in your favor. And why have we never played this one online? I don't know. Cause I am terrible at it. You want to play? I am really bad. I will make you feel really good about yourself. Hey, is there a setting on BGA for the Tim rules? <laughs> you were on, you were on that episode, Jen. So you did actually play it with them. You just forgot. No, I didn't. No, I knew that. Like we again, that's where I think the mutual adoration came through was through this episode, and then actually we did actually play it together. But no, like I want some like hard competition. I don't want like a we are playing and talking and joking. Like I want it online. I want some competition, and I want to lose big in that sense. And I want to make you feel good about playing this game because I want everyone to love Azul. I love that you said that. Nice. All right. Well, speaking of the game that Chris was really excited for Jen to play, that was her number five last year, and that was Welcome To. So, Jen, did you get a chance to play Welcome To? We did. I think that was, I think, I, I think exactly what we said it was because I think it was going to be our Christmas Eve game, and I think it was our Christmas Eve game. Yeah, I think it was. And we actually did that on the same episode of Azul as well. So, 
if listeners are interested in our takes on those two games, they're both in one episode. You get a two for one on that. Oh, that was totally a two for an Achi is if I remember right, that was one of our most fun game nights. Yeah, super fun for recording. It was. It, we all just we raved about one another. We raved about gaming. We raved about all the things. So. All right. Well, my number five from last year was Tyrants of the Underdark. And the quest for El Dorado, I kind of put, fit those both in because they were both deck building kind of board games. So I did get to play one of those. We just featured Tyrants of the Underdark last or two episodes ago. So that was that was exciting to get to play. Uh, it was not a super fresh game. It felt like it was very, you know, it was reusing components that we played many times before. So not super exciting, but I'm really glad I got a chance to play. I would still like to play Quest for El Dorado at some point. That was fun to get that one knocked off my list. It's been there for a little while. And uh, number five for Adam was Cryo. Adam, do you play Cryo this year? I've not yet played Cryo, and you know, I don't know if I'm still looking forward to playing it. I would give it a try if it was out there, but I've cooled on Cryo. Huh. All right. That was nice and easy. Chris, you, you wanted to play Rising Sun. That was your number four last year. Yes, and we did. Uh, we actually did the review series where we did all three of the trilogy games by Eric Lang, uh, which also include Blood Rage and... Um, I'm blanking on the name of the third one. What's the third one? Ankh. Yeah, Ankh. Or Ankh, as, uh, as Adam says. And um, again, another one that I was I found a very interesting game. Sadly, it was one that I thought was brilliant, yet had some notes that didn't quite hit for me. But I saw the beauty of it, and I'm super thrilled that I got a chance to play it. Yep. And you're super wrong on that game. It's awesome. Whatever. All right. Uh, Jen's number four last year was Cocapelli, Stefan Feld game. Jen, have you played Cocapelli? I have not played Cocopelli. I don't even remember what happened with Cocopelli. I remember being excited about like the theme and well, obviously that it's a Steffenfeld game. It was on a road to nowhere. It was never going to come to fruition. I think it was because you had said something about like it not being the Feld that you introduced me to next. And we took your word as gold and never played it. Don't, don't blame me on this one. No, I think we should still play. We actually talked about this a few weeks ago. We looked it up online to see the cost. It was like a $45 for a, a lighter card game. And so I thought it just wasn't worth the price to purchase that. But I think we'll get this one played uh, still. You know, I'd like to. Maybe maybe at a game cafe or something, we'll knock it out. All right. Sounds good. Let's do it. All right. My number four last year was Rolling Realms. I did get a chance to play this. I purchased it, got a chance to play with some of the kind of uh, ex- little expansion modules they added for it. This is a pretty fun roll and write game. I liked it enough. It's a little thinkier than than what you get out of the game. It's It's like, you know, you're basically doing some math and lots of calculations and it's numbers. And it's fun that the worlds that you play on are kind of representing other board games, but it's a little abstract otherwise. And so I've just found a little more fun in some other role and rights like like Rogers of the Ganges and, you know, several others, to be honest, like almost every other role and right that I've played, I've, I've liked a little bit more. They just kind of combo up a little bit. They have a little more theme and fun interactions going on. So I pass this on to Chris. Chris, did you get a chance to play this one? I haven't had a chance to play it yet, although I'm glad that you reminded me. I think I actually set it on the shelf and then forgot that it was there. So maybe I'll go get it played this weekend. Yeah, you'll have to let us know how you what you think of it. Yeah, because again, I think it's a solid game. Just uh, just not not quite exciting enough for me to want to go back to a lot. And then Chris, uh, no, sorry, Adam, your number four that you wanted to play was Barrage last year. How did how that go for you? I am in love with Barrage. I've been obsessed with it since we played it last. I don't think I've stopped playing it since we played it for that episode. Chris and I have been playing it nonstop. I've done some crazy tournaments on Board Game Arena where there's like uh, 12 or 13 people in a tournament and it's a round robin. Everybody's playing everybody. So you got 13 games going on at a time and I just can't get enough of Barrage. One of my very favorite games. Nice. Ditto, man. Seriously. 
Yeah, I really, I love it too. So yeah, this was a, a huge hit for all of us this year. <clears throat> Jen, have you played Barrage? No, but I just thought like maybe I'll knock my fifth game off the list and make that my number five. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if you if you will play that, I will go buy that today. I will go pick a copy of that up. So that that's one I that you could definitely get played if you wanted to. Why he doesn't own it already, I have no clue. Because I didn't think Jen or Daniel would play it with me. But now that they they busted through Bonfire with me last weekend and they both liked it, Daniel asked for it the next day. We played a second game like the day later. Like, spoiler alert, you just, like you can't say stuff like that when the top five that we want to play is coming up. You can't. You definitely can't talk about Felds. Okay, fine. <laughs> All right. So Chris's number four was Nemesis. Chris, how'd it go? I was actually my number three. And I can't believe that it was only my number three. I mean, my goodness. Yes, I have played it, and that game is the bomb diggity. I love that game. And actually, even Tim, and I quote, one of your favorite gaming experiences of all time. I think I've played it now, I don't know, probably a half dozen times, a couple solo games, a couple games with you guys, a couple games with my family. And every single time that I've played, I have been absolutely blown away by how thematic and interesting and fun that game can be and just how tense it is when you're playing in the semi co-op mode. So I am, that's another game where I'm absolutely thrilled that I got it played and it's, it's an absolutely killer game. That's cool that you're still liking it after many more plays. Did you end up getting to use the, the expansion, the one that you accidentally got in the wrong language originally? Did you ever get the replacement and get it in English? No, I couldn't get it in English. They only had it in Italian and <laughs> it was like the, the Carnomorphs expansion, which is also known as, Il Carnomorphos. <laughs> so never got it again. Yeah, I know. Sorry. Terrible, terrible accent, but I'd, lo- I'd still love to try it. Time to learn Italian. Yeah. Cool, cool. Uh, Jen, your number three was Viticulture. Well, I think we knocked stuff off this list before this, this, I mean, this episode even aired. We played, you and I played Viticulture days after recording and we played it at the Silver Key Lounge. The Silver Key Lounge. Yeah. Like we had just randomly decided that we were going to, I'd never been to Silver Key Lounge and we randomly decided, and this is the game because you knew you wanted to get me invested in Viticulture to get Danielle reinvested in Viticulture. And so we, we played that game. I loved it. It's Danielle sees it as punishing. I see it as kind of punishing too, but it's not punishing enough for me not to enjoy it. So, and I just like the little wine tokens, the little, little glass beads so much. So yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah, I got a chance. We we played it several times this year, but yeah, my wife uh, after the last couple of plays, she's like, I just feel like I can never do what I want to do, and that she's like, I, I work hard enough. I don't need to work in my board games too. So <clears throat> this one's kind of off her want to playlist. I don't know, Jen. Maybe you and I once in a while get to get this one knocked out. Is it still on the shelf? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't think I don't think viticulture is going anywhere. Um, and I really like the cooperative expansion too. So for the rare situation where it might be fun to do a co-op game with maybe some, you know, some new players I'm introducing into the hobby. I think that's a good fit as well. For sure. All right. My number three last year was Sleeping Gods by Red Raven Games and Ryan Lockett. Um, I I probably would have played this this year, except then they announced the Kickstarter for Sleeping Gods Distant Skies, which is kind of a new version of it, a a new iteration. And I think it it looks like it improves a couple of things that I was concerned about in the game. So I backed that. I didn't end up buying the original Sleeping Gods. I'm going to wait till Distant Skies comes in. And uh, play play that. And if I really love it, I might go back to the original. But uh, yeah, this is still one I'm excited about playing. I'm just uh, I'm look, a little more looking forward to the sequel on it. And then Adam, your number three was Organism. How'd it go? Organism still not out yet. The publisher 
I've been talking about this one for a while. He's working on some final kinks. Still don't know when it's coming. Allegedly soon, but uh, it's been allegedly soon for about a year now. So I'm keeping my eyes peeled for this one. I'm still looking forward to this one, but have not played it. Does it make you look forward to it any less that they haven't been able to get it figured out in the last two years? Like maybe the game just isn't going to work or do you are you still psyched for it? You know, it's so it's kind of backburnered. I've just kind of forgotten about it. It's out of my my thought process. So once there's more word about it and more buzz about it, yeah, I think that'll kindle back up and I'll be looking forward to it just as much as I was last year. All right, cool. Chris, your number two last year was Radlands. And that is the one game that I have still not played. And not for lack of wanting to play it. The only reason I haven't gotten that game played yet is because I don't have it and I don't play a lot of two-player games that I don't own because usually I'm playing those games live with you or online with you guys. And the games I'm playing two-player are games I'm playing with my family. So Adam's got it. I still want to play it. And so probably Adam and I just need to get together online or next, at the next con, we set aside some time to play a game of it because I still want to play it. It still sounds great. It still sounds like a lot of fun. Cool. Yeah, I, and I got a chance to play this with Adam. He actually brought it to our last con to play with you. And we had some time before you got there and you guys never ended up with some time to play it. But I, I actually thought this was more fun than I thought. I think, in fact, last year I said I wasn't even interested in playing it when we did this episode, but we got together and played it and, and I had a good time with it. So I like Redlands. Cool. All right, Jen, your number two was Catan. Classic. Did you get it played finally? I'm so embarrassed at this point. <laughs> the answer is no. And there is, it's not from lack of opportunity. It's like, it's just the opportunity. Whenever the opportunities come up, they're just like slightly not convenient. And so it doesn't, it doesn't happen, but I have talked about Catan, I think almost as much as Castles of Burgundy. Yeah. I just have never played it, which is at this point just dumb. Yeah. Well, and Jen keeps telling me and Danielle, it's like, Hey, we got to play Catan. Like even last week, she's like talking about it. What can we just go pick up Catan somewhere? And it's like, I had Catan. I sold it. I don't want another copy of Catan, but um, we, what we keep tra- talking about doing is making like a, a you know, a, a time where we go to this local like snakes and lattes and they have mimosas on Sunday morning. And then we can bust it out of their game library and just play at a board game cafe. So I still would love to do that. I actually enjoy Catan just fine. My wife likes it. So I think it'll be a fun three-player experience for you to get introduced to. I have no idea if you'll like it. You might like it. You might hate it. I think you'll like it. I think it'll, I think it'll be fine for you. I'm an expert in Catan Jr. So I have, since we recorded that episode, played that probably about two dozen times because my now six-year-old adores it so um i have played that version i'll be curious to see what crosses over and what's completely different i did play your katan jr with your kids one time and it was kind of miserable um the original katan is much more interesting and i think more fun than katan jr so yeah there's definitely like a this is you know it's exactly what's going to happen with the pirate ships and where everything's going and katan jr but i love that it gets them like fired up about it and so he asks for that he asks for ticket to ride and then it's nice to see you raising some uh young euro lovers that's that's fantastic john keep that up that's good good job all right, my number two from last year was Arc Nova. This was just shown up on the hotness last year when this episode released. It wasn't even really available. We ended up doing an episode just a couple weeks later, and then I pre-ordered it right away. So I've played this game quite a few times this year. I really loved it. Um, I think Chris likes it a decent amount. Adam and Steve, it really didn't hit for. So we, ha- we haven't played it a lot, and I haven't been brave enough to bust this out with my wife. I think she's going to hate all the, the kind of card iconography and combos and all of that stuff. But one of these days, I might give it a try with her. But I like I like Arc Nova a lot. I was just thinking the other day, I really want to get this played. And talk about a meteoric rise. It's like number four yeah. on the BGG all-time list now. That's insane. Yeah, well, 
you know, I guess you could just say that I do know what I'm talking about with games and I I speculated and won on this one. So uh, <laughs> number two for Adam last year on the opposite end of the spectrum was Reef Encounter, a game that nobody's heard about. Adam, did you get that played? No, I didn't get it played. Nobody wants to play it with me. It's supposed <laughs> to be a fantastic game. It's an old school game. Still wanting to play this one. It's supposed to be good. All right. I d- if I do remember, though, that we actually when when Adam added it to his list, he left his number one off the list like he didn't have a fifth. And he was just like, I'm going to wait to see if one of you guys say something interesting. And none of us did. So I think he just like randomly grabbed it off BGG at the last minute, too. So random game generator might have another one of those tonight. <laughs> Come on. And I was going to say, I can't believe anyone. Would, and my eyes are wide. I can't believe anyone would ever do that with their fifth choice. You guys are so unprepared. All right, number one last year for Chris was Golem. Golem was a really good game, and it is another one that I played now. We did a review episode on that, and that was one of the earlier games in my exploration of what we've sort of called the Italian designers, quote-unquote, Italian designers that you see showing up in various combinations over and over again in a bunch of games that we've tried, and most of which we really liked. This was not the top of that list, But it was a really good game, and it's actually one that kind of sticks in my head and makes me want to go back every once in a while and play that one again and possibly even buy it at some point. But uh, yeah, good game. Glad we played it. Yeah, I don't blame you. I like that game, too. It it also is stuck in my head, and I'd like to go back to it. All right, John, your number one last year was Calico. I, I did not play that, and that's another one that I feel like what happened. But then when I was thinking about what we talked about with Calico when I put this on my list last time, I remember you, there was another one we compared, was it Cascadia? Cascadia. Yeah, Yeah, Cascadia, which um, again is famous uh, amongst us for its introduction inside of a uh, Great Wolf Lodge. And so that is where that Cascadia came to fruition and it just became, you know, an instant classic with us. And so you had very clearly said that based on the fact that you had Cascadia, Calico would never, ever, ever get anywhere near your board gaming table as something you own. So... It never happened. So, the, do you see how well and like wordy I pulled that out to blame you? Very. I noticed that, yeah, because I didn't say it couldn't show up at my board game table. I said I wasn't going to purchase it myself. But if you want to purchase it, I'd I'd gladly play it with you. By the way, this actually they just released a digital app for this, and it looks adorable. You actually you have these cats wandering across your quilt, and you can actually pet That's them cool. and they purr and stuff. Um, so if if you want to play this digitally, it's it looks like a pretty cool implementation. I'll probably be downloading this oh, hold on tim earlier he said if jen requested a game then you would probably get it It'd probably be on your table now she's saying i said i said if she was i said if she was gonna play it i would most likely be the one buying it i didn't say i was gonna buy every game that she's asking for there's a difference. and now you're <laughs> very specifically saying well you could go buy it, jen i uh, know i mean this story was like 180 i'm so glad that there are currently three people to witness this and document it in history but adam the fact that you said it out loud like thank you for taking one for the the team, which is, you know, board gamers across the world. Moving on. So my number one last year was Clans of Caledonia. And I did get this played, which I'm really excited about. And uh, we we reviewed it. And I've played it several times since then as well. And I think this is a really solid game or solid Euro. It's not one that I got so excited about. I, I had to go out and buy it. But it's a game I'd happy, happily play anytime. I think Clans of Caledonia is a really cool game. And then the number one for Adam was Brian Baru, High King of Ireland. Yeah, well, I forced this one on you guys. We played it for, and we reviewed it in one of the episodes within the last year. I thought it was fun. I don't think anybody else shared the the joy that I had with it. But it's like a uh, one of these pseudo trick-taking games where you can follow suit or not. And then you get to do the, the good action or the bad action. And then it, there's a little area control element with it too. 
and there's some marriages and some uh, Viking fighting, a little bit of churches being built or monasteries, I think they're called. So I think this game's fun. I'd like to go back to explore some more and see if there really is more agency than I think there is or not. So that's Brian Baru. I had a fun time with that one. Yeah, I thought it was solid. I, this is ripe for a BGA adaptation. I think yep. this game would be fun to play async on, on board game arena. So maybe at some point that'll happen. We'll get a little, a little bit more play of it in, but fun game. I thought it was fun too. Well, I, I don't know if maybe arcs will just kick this one out of the way too, because arcs, I think was a little more engaging for me. Chris is shaking his head, but <laughs> well, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Chris will probably never see, but uh, we might. Jen might have to play ARCs with me when it, when it comes in. We'll see about that. I think that could be really fun. All right. So that is that was last year's list. It's fun to revisit that, see what we actually got played. I think we did pretty good, Jen notwithstanding. But she got a couple of those games knocked off her list, so, so not bad. What was my number, you guys? Was it three out of five? I think you got two out of five on yours. No. We're, we'll have to rewind that and listen to that again. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it can't be the number. You got two out of five. I think the rest of us got four, three or four out of four or five. Four or five out of five. I don't know. This isn't a competition. Yeah. Who said <laughs> this is a competition? Anymore. So let's jump into this year's top five games we want to playlist. And I haven't heard any of these lists. I, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm excited to hear them all and I'm excited to chat about the games that I am looking forward to. So why don't we start with Adam tonight? My number five most want to play game for this year is Paperback Adventures. This is because Tim has raved about it. I've looked at it, not just because Tim gets lucky sometimes with amazing games, <laughs> but because this game actually looks legitimately cool. It's solo only. I guess there's some multiplayer modes, but really just a solo game. You're going through, you're a, a writer with writer's block, which is a cool premise. You're going, is your name Paige Turner? Is that your actual name? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Paige Turner. I love it. <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, and you have all these old timey looking comics, like golden age of comics. The art for this is great. We talked about the artist before. I have it up. The artist is Ryan Goldsberry. Designers, Tim Fowers and Sky Larson. And this is by Fowers Games. That's his own publishing company. So I have all the stuff sitting over here on my table. I almost got to it. And then I think my little toddler came up and started pounding on the stuff and trying to eat the little gold token. So I had to hide everything and bring it all back in. Almost got to play it. Not yet. It's sitting here. I can't wait to play this one. That's Paperback Adventures. So you did, you, you bought it. You bought it since I talked about it. Yeah, I ordered it right away. I couldn't wait, man. I miss word games. I, my brain, there's a part of my brain that wants to scrabble everything and make a word out of this and make a word out of that and see how I can rearrange stuff. So that puzzle alone is going to be fun for me and see what kind of creative vocab I either do or don't have. I'm going to be coming up with all these dumb four letter words that, you know, everybody walk, bath, talk. It's going to be like, it's going to be like, <laughs> if you can pull off T-A-L-K, I think you'll get some good points for that. So <laughs> it's going to be words that my daughter is going to be like, dude, dad, you don't know how to spell that word. You're doing it wrong. So looking forward to this one. Did you end up buying all three of the hero packs or did you just buy one? Of them? Yeah. Yeah, nice. I got them all. Nice. Well, I, this is one I, I'm actually really excited. I just have too many other games I've been wanting to touch on lately, but this is the one that I'm most excited to just revisit. And I'll probably be doing that soon over the next week or two. Cool. My number five this year is Welcome to the Moon, which is interesting because last year, Welcome to was on Jen's list. Welcome to the Moon is a sequel to Welcome to, and it is a similar type of flip and write game. But this one has a really cool mechanism. Of course, first of all, it's set on making a moon colony or something like that. But it's kind of a, uh, a, re, uh, a resettable campaign. I think it's an eight or 12 game campaign. And so it has like six double-sided whiteboard sheets for every player. 
And so instead of just writing on a piece of paper and throwing it out and always be the same, you you play would play the first game and then you you just use a whiteboard so you don't have to have a whole bunch of sheets. Um, then you would flip it over and you'd play the second game in the campaign. And there's some kind of carry through with it. And I like Welcome to enough, but it gets redundant, right? It's the same thing. So I love the idea of of playing that same similar type of simple kind of brainless but fun little you know roll and write game but in a sequence where every time you play it it's going to be a little bit different and you don't have to play it as a campaign you if you if you finish the campaign or even if you don't you could just play one-off games here but i like welcome to a lot so i i'm excited to dig into this one i think it'll be just a little bit more uh fun even than welcome to was and i i like that game a lot and this is a multiplayer campaign tim yeah yeah for sure yeah this is not a so i mean i would assume you could probably play it solo they probably have rules for it and i, I forget to mention this is uh designed by alexis allard benoit Tur- turpin and this is published by blue cocker Games, same publisher of welcome to but i've heard good things about it too so i um yeah i'm looking forward to playing welcome to the moon soon and this will be super easy for me to get i'm sure i'll pick it up soon my my local game stores had it but they have it for like 50 bucks for this little tiny box of whiteboard uh, you know, pages. I'm sure at some point I'll find it for like 30 bucks on Amazon or, you know, game nerds or whatever. So I'll, I'll pick it up when it's at a little bit better deal. Did you guys already say this? You can find it for free on Board Game Arena. Did you know that? What? No, I had really? no idea. It's on Board Game Arena. All right. Bring it. Oh, let's play it. All right. Yeah. We'll do it. 100%. All right. Sounds good. I'll, I'll invite you all tonight. <laughs> all right. Get that one knocked out before the episode even drops. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do. All right. Well, my number five game. Well, actually, before I get into my number five game, I just want to say, I am so excited about the list this year. It is so fun looking at these games. And I don't know what it is, why this year is special, but the previous years, I mean, they were all games I wanted to play. And I played most of them, as we talked about already. And a lot of them were really good. But there's just something about this list this year that just feels magical to me. So I'm really excited to play these. The downside is there's at least a couple games on this list that for one reason or another... I may very well not actually get played. So we'll get to that. But starting with my number five, it's Twilight Imperium 4th Edition, designed by Dane Beltrami, Corey Kunitsa, and Christian Peterson, and published by Fantasy Flight Games. This game has kind of an interesting genesis on my list. And it's not that there was something specific about this game that jumped right out at me. I mean, there are lots of things that make it look desirable to me and some things that maybe are a little more questionable. But I picked this one because it's the highest ranked game on BGG Top 100. It's competitive. That's not a co-op game. And that I haven't played yet. So I was going down the list and looking at these, and then Twilight Imperium popped up, and I'm thinking... And this thing checks off so many blocks. I, I love 4X games. I love the big production. This one has a great reputation. I mean, hell, it's right up there at the top of the BGG Top 100 list. The only reason that I haven't jumped into this game already is the same reason a lot of people probably don't play this game. It's got the reputation of being this like, you know, three day long game. Everybody's afraid of it, which I get. I mean, I don't usually want to settle in for a game like that either, but. I feel like this is one that has a lot going for it, and I really do want to play it. I really want to get to it. Now, the trick is, I don't know if I'll ever actually be able to do that because I don't know anybody who has it. I don't know that this group, our group, is up for playing a lengthy game like that. So I don't know if I'll get there, but it's definitely one that I've got. I'm on the lookout for an opportunity to do that, and I think I'll really enjoy it when I do. Do you remember how upset Chris was when we played Tyrants in the Underdark and Steve kind of pounded on him on the first couple turns? How do you think he's going to feel after six hours of that? But I'll be doing the pounding, 
Tim. Pirates <laughs> of the Underdark is a whole different ball of wax. That's a great pick, Chris. I have been wanting to play this game forever. I had a chance here at where we met Tim, that little board game group. They have day-long board games day. And one of the times they they played this game, I don't know if they had two tables or one table that's going. I didn't make it. I always regretted not being able to make it. I want to try this game just because of its reputation. And it's supposed to be one of the all-time great board games uh, of all time. Not to be redundantly redundant there, but I think I told this story also. I walked into a board game store once with dad, with my dad when I was a kid. I don't know, a kid of 12 or 13. And up there on the top shelf, I see a dusty game with this giant lion man on the front cover. And I was like, what is this thing? I think it was Twilight Imperium first edition or second edition at that point in time. And then they had an Eclipse box right next to it. That day, it was stuck in my memory forever until I know one day I did buy Eclipse. Now, I love that game, but I have never played Twilight Imperium. I'd love to play this one at least once. Now, Tim, you actually mentioned that this is a game that you're interested in trying. I mean, I know you have the same reservations about the length of the game, but isn't this one that you said you'd be interested in? Nope, not at all. Nope, nope. I, if I listen, I think I should play it at some point just, you know, for like the history, but I do think this is going to potentially make me really annoyed. Yeah. I, th- I think this game will not be a fun experience for me. I really do. Probably if it was going well all day long. Maybe I'd be doing fine, but this but this is a game that's heavily dependent on luck. People, there is player elimination in this game that can play for like five hours or almost elimination. So you can be down to like one little ship and no possibility of coming back in three more hours to play. I don't ever want to be put into a situation where I'm stuck for for three or four hours. Especially the people that I'd likely play it with would be randos that I don't know. So I don't know if you could, if we were at a convention, the four of us together, like you, you know, or three of us or four of us or whatever. You guys really wanted to do this? I would get in on it to play with friends. I I play with friends for a day long experience. I'd probably still be annoyed, but I really don't look forward to it. And I I don't I don't have any intention of playing it. I can't wait to play this one with all you guys and have Tim just be annoyed the whole time. It sounds like a fun <laughs> day of board games. Yeah, like you're not selling you're not selling your participation in this at all times. I think that they are going to go play and they're going to pick up a rando to replace you at that <laughs> point in time because you have prefaced it with saying totally okay with that. I might regret it later when they tell me how awesome it was, but I, I'm totally okay with that. There is no rando that could replace Tim. And I will say, I, all of that said, of all the good stuff about this game, I am a little bit nervous about the fact that it does seem to rely pretty heavily on informal negotiation. Yep. That is the one thing that makes me go, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe not. But I don't know. I, I feel like, it, like you, Tim, I feel like it's something I got to try at some point because, okay. you know, how can I do what I do here on this podcast and not have played a game? Like Life that? is too short to force games that you already predict will be miserable upon yourselves. Quote, <laughs> Jen. 100% agreed. 100% B- agreed. Buddha Jen. What a great, that's a great quote. <laughs> Moving forward. All right, so my game number, what is it? We're calling it five at this point. I didn't put mine in order again, but obviously this is the third time doing this. Third time is not a charm as I cannot apparently be taught when it comes to organization on a podcast. All right, my game number five is Splendor. Awesome, Jen, that sounds wonderful. I've never played that before. It's so (laughs) unique. Oh, I heard you guys. It's just inside of the deafening silence. Why, why? I thought you had something else to say there. That's all. I was waiting for the next sentence. <laughs> or like the name of the designer or the publisher or something. Oh, no. we, t- we Tim, we talked about this in detail, all of you. That this is your responsibility to Google that when I say my super surprising list out loud. Oh, do you mean the Splendor that was designed by Marc Andre and published by Space Cowboys? That Splendor? There you go. <laughs> Seamless. 
the reason that I want to play this game actually came up in the last week because I would not have said this out loud or even known necessarily. I've heard it said in passing, but it didn't mean anything to me. But last week I was at at a friend's house. It, the, a bunch of families were hanging out and it was my oldest son's friends were the connection that we all had. Um, and we're sitting there and the concept of board games came up. I don't remember who brought it up. I don't actually think it was me. It might sound like I'm being sarcastic and no one at this you know, podcast believes me, but I truly don't believe that I was the one that brought it up. And so then this couple started talking about some of the board games that they play. And um, they mentioned Catan and they mentioned Splendor. And so I got a little excited and I was like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to ask him the big question. We all know what the big question is, right? Does anyone here need to know what the big question that was going to come out of my mouth next was? No. Okay. All right. So I'm just going to cue myself on this sucker. I asked them if they played Castles of Burgundy and without pausing, they said yes. Oh, cue the applause, right? I was like, where did these people come from? So like, I want to be like, did I hear you right? Like, hold on. Do I need to call you up later and like re-clarify? Like, did you say no, but my brain just turned it into yes in that moment? That's, <laughs> but no, they said, they said yes. And so um, as soon as it, you know, they spoke with enthusiasm about this game. So as soon as they spoke with enthusiasm about it and that opportunity to connect and bring one more Castles of Burgundy lover into my life. I was like, yep, whatever you say. Okay, we're going to play that game. Yep, going to learn it tomorrow if that's what it takes. So that's how it ended up being my number five on the on the list. And, you know, I think it's a lot of a lot of people's gateway game after kind of like, you know, reading just a tad about it. It seems super lightweight, engine building, a lot of fun. And I don't think it takes like a lot of commitment to the hobby to have it be on your board game shelf nonetheless. So feels a little bit like, like a simpler and I know it's not Catan, but the simpler concept, like Catan, why have I never played this? Splendor, why have I never played this? Fits into the same thing. Yeah, I think you, you might actually like this. I mean, it, it's nowhere near as interesting as like Bonfire that we played last weekend. But you know what? You know why Splendor actually might work really well for you? Because you can talk through the whole thing and not miss a beat. Wow. <laughs> you don't you don't have to think at all. It's so easy to play. It's so simple to get into. You don't, you don't have to think. You don't have to have a brain, Jan, for this one. You just consider. I'm saying I don't have to think because I know that Jen's going to be talking to me the whole time I'm trying to think through my turn. So that's that's why I'm thinking it might be a good fit. Now, Splendor is a fun enough game. I played it a lot. And I'm a little tired of it. My dad loves it. So I've played it tons with him. But uh, I think you probably like it, Jen. And you know, this is one that your your kids would probably enjoy and you would still enjoy. Anytime we get into that like kind of 10 plus category, I think that's what it might be. I'd have to take a look. Someone should probably Google that for me. I feel like we get down to the, the strategy level that my children can participate in. And over the course of the last year, both my nine-year-old and my 11-year-old have participated in Castles of Burgundy and they, you know, take it to ride, you know, again, like the the games that aren't necessarily, you know, designed for them. And so it's nice to know that that 10 plus category fits my family really, really nicely right now. What a splendid choice. Oh, thank you. My number four game that I'd like to play is Forbidden Stars. <laughs> you put that there just for that, <laughs> didn't you? Right? That just kind of worked out spontaneously. I figured that out. This is a 2015 game by Samuel Bailey, James Niffin, and Corey Kunisaka. It's by Fantasy Flight Games. This is a Warhammer 40k IP, I believe, which I don't care about that, but that's going to be important to this tale. In a minute, you'll see why. I've heard a lot about this game. It's supposed to be another long 4X involved. There's just a lot going on here, but the combat sounds cool. There's kind of this queuing of sort of like poker chips or chits, whatever they stack up. So it resolves so that the first chip you play is going to resolve last. So everybody's making this stack of chips. Then the combat occurs. The one on top resolves first. So the one you put down 
that's at the bottom of the stack might not even matter by the time it gets there. Or maybe it's going to be that epic uh, maneuver that no one suspected and it turns out to be just exactly what you needed at that point in the game. That alone sounds pretty amazing to me. Some interesting cards here, asymmetric factions, all the same, a bunch of the things that I look for in game. Sounds like a lot of fun, could be lengthy. However, this game is out of print and there's no designs on releasing a, a second edition or a another reprint of this. But the designer, Samuel Bailey, is working on a re retheme of this game and he's been posting about it. There's 52 pages of posts on board game geek about what's going to happen when he eventually comes out with a retheme for this game for bin stars. I'd like to play this one some way or another, uh, at some point in the future. Nice. Did, did, does it sound like he's going to try to do it with fantasy flight again, or is this like he's self publishing or going pitching it to other publishers? A part of it is, Hey, I need a publisher. I have an IP that I like that I've been working on for a long time. So yeah, he needs a publisher. He says he doesn't think he has enough experience to do a Kickstarter by himself. So he's kind of soliciting help from other people that are out there in the community. Yeah, this is a game I've been fascinated uh, to hear about as well. I think it'd be worth a play at some point. So if they do retheme it and re uh, redistribute it, maybe this is one we'll get a shot at at some point. If not, Adam, you just need to pick up the original. eBay. You know, 200 bucks on 300, 400 bucks, eBay yeah. probably. You had mentioned this one recently, Adam, and I looked at it and it looks really cool. So I'm down with that too. Nice. All right. My number four is a little tiny box of cards called Scout. This is a little game with a bunch of cards with numbers on it. feels like a kind of a traditional family weight card game. So this kind of shocked me that this made my list as I was thinking through games I've been wanting to play. But I've heard great things about this. I think it won this Spiel des Jahres last year, at least was nominated for it. And um, the designer is Kai Kajino, and it's produced by Oink Games. I've never played any Oink Games, but this is a Japanese publishing company that produces these colorful little small box games. And, um, you know, Scout, for some reason, just seems to be hitting for a lot of people. And I like small box family card games when they're done right. I have a good time with them. And I really want to try this. I see if it really, you know, deserves all the, the praise it's been getting. If it's something that sticks around, if it's something that, that stays in the rotation, can be easy to you know introduce new people to. The, the general concept of it, from my understanding, is that when you get a hand of cards, I think it's a ladder climbing game. So essentially the idea, you're always trying to play a, a higher card on top of the existing card in one of the decks. But you have a hand of cards and they have numbers, one set of numbers printed on the top of the card and then a different number printed on the bottom. And when you draw your hand of cards, you're stuck with them in the position that they are. So you can't move them. You can't change the direction. And I think you either have to play from like one side of your hand. And then there's certain situations that allow you to flip the card over and use the other side. So I don't exactly know the rules, but it just sounds like some interesting little, uh, you know, kind of changes to the traditional card game. So, yeah, I'd like to try this. Who knows if it'll be a hit for me? It's not, you know, super big, but sounds fun. That kind of almost like traditional card game sounds so uninteresting to me. But holy cow, <laughs> thematically, what a bizarre game. It's about like stealing another circus's performers. I mean, who thought of that? That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, I don't think the theme will carry through in the production at all yeah. because it's I think it's just multicolored cards with numbers on them. I don't think there's any like artwork or anything like that from what I've seen. But uh, funny that they even put a theme on it. Right. Yeah, I've been wanting to play this one too for a while, Tim. This one looks amazing. Happy here. It's on your list. Love to play this one. Anytime we do, Chris is going to poo-poo it because it's like a trick taker or ladder climber. So get out of here, Chris. <laughs> Jeez, man. I don't know. Circus. I like circuses. I'll try it. Okay. All right. This is all we're playing at our next uh, board game hot takes con. 
Just this game, but no, just this game, but also every game that we can figure out that is like slightly associated like this game. So it's going to be a thematic piss off Chris. <laughs> yeah. is what we just heard. Well, the alternative is we play Twilight Imperium the whole weekend. So, you know, either, either or. Uh, all right. Well, Twilight Imperium or ScoutCon 2023. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know which one of those wins. But anyhow, moving on to more important things. My number four game is Mariposa, designed by Elizabeth Hargrave and published by AEG. And this is another one that was kind of a no-brainer for me. I don't know why I didn't make a list earlier, but everything that I've played by Elizabeth Hargrave, I've really enjoyed. I'm a big fan of Wingspan, love playing that game. I ordered the Fox Experiment on Kickstarter, backed that one, really had a good time with that game, as you guys know from the, the discussion we had when we reviewed that. But I hadn't played Mariposa yet, and it just seems like a fun game. It's definitely going to be the lightest game on the list today. It's one that is probably almost considered family weight, but it also sounds like a lot of fun. For one, thematically, it's got the the natural world, which is always a really fun way to go with theme. And it's a big thing that um, Elizabeth Hargrave really likes to do, and I appreciate that. And it does have some really neat kind of thematic mechanisms that happen in the game, too, where you're moving your butterflies from one side of the map to the other. You're migrating them and then trying to migrate back down to Mexico, up through North America. But you move in generations, So you have your first generation butterflies that start migrating north. And if they haven't made it to a certain point and become second generation butterflies, if you don't have that second generation, then you're going to die off and you're not going to be able to keep going. So there's that kind of little neat thematic integration there that I just think makes these kind of games so much fun. And it looks like a pretty production, simple, but elegant. And again, you know, it's Elizabeth Hargrave. It's hard to go wrong there. So this is one that... I probably could get this one played because this is one that I bet my family would like. We might get a, a game night out of it uh, for, for one of our review nights if I were to bring it up. So this is the, one of the ones I actually have some hope of playing, and it seems like it'll be a real fun game to get on the table. So, Chris, I'm so excited that you said this. And it's funny because we talked at the beginning of the of the podcast about, oh, no, if we don't have five, we'll just jump on somebody else's. So that was my number four. And now we're just going to call it my number two at this point. So we can just banter back and forth about it. But this game I actually brought up, I want to say it was to Adam several years ago. I don't remember for sure. If not, I'm just making up a great story or a mediocre story at that. And I've been like, oh my gosh, I saw this, this game. Its theme is, is butterflies. I lived on Mariposa at the time and there was this big deal about moving into the house and the kids and I had read a book and it had a butterfly in it. And then we moved onto the street and it was Mariposa. So, but they've always had like this special place in our hearts. So when I saw this game, I was like, yeah, this game is coming to the collection. In fact, I think I'm going to get it, you know, for, I'm going to buy it. It's going to happen. It's going to end up on the shelf. And I want to say it was Adam that pooed it. Maybe it was Tim. Stop blaming everybody else, Jen, for your lack of game collection. Why would you guys poo-poo such a delightful looking game? I would never poo-poo anything like this. Yeah, not me neither. I'd like to play it. Oh my gosh. I think now, I mean, I can search text. Like, I mean, Mariposa, like it's probably not going to, I could probably buy, like literally by the time we get to game number two, I could probably out the perpetrator. This so is this is what you'll search for. You're not going to search for designer or artist of the game. You're going to search for the, got it. No, 100%. But I love the box. I love the coloration. I love everything about it. And just like Chris was saying, I feel like I could put this on my table. I feel like I could welcome in my family. And even to like a higher extent, like it just feels like 
this sucker better be awesome because I need it to like be like a family legacy game based on that like strong emotional connection we have to living on Mariposa. My kids are in Spanish immersion school. So like that just feels like the whole thing. We're all, it is, it's just there. So let's play it. Let's do it. But let's like, we got to actually get the, we have to, the box has to happen. Totally. I feel like this can't be played for the first time online unless, you know, we play it for, you know, an episode. And isn't that delightful that you have a game like that or Wingspan or those games where there's a little bit of, I don't want to call it educational. I think that's a little bit too grand, but you actually get some exposure to the concepts of, you know, what happens out there in the natural world. And there's a, there is a little bit of education that happens there. And I think that's pretty great. Yeah, really. I was excited about it. God, how, what year was this published? Probably 2020. Or 2021. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it sounds about right. Pretty recent. That makes a lot of sense. Because I think that's when we originally talked about it was in 2020. And I think, again, it just never came to fruition. And so um, when I was looking for the the five games over the last that last week or so, it just it came in and it came in. It sounds, you know, super cheesy, but it came into my heart. So how exciting that that it was on your list, too. That's awesome. That does sound like a review episode in the making. We'll have to give it a shot, maybe. Well, along the same family-friendly vein, very welcoming, very inviting, is a game called Imperial 2030. In this game, you use money to manipulate countries into warring with each other for your own profit. (laughs) It's so warm and fuzzy. Get the kids at the table, teach them how to be warmongers and how to make the most money and get their own private jets and private yachts and exploit uh, poor countries. Anyway, this game, I've heard a lot about it. It's supposed to be pretty neat. It's designed by Matt Gertz, the publisher, many publishers over the years. I'm not sure who's doing it now. Rio Grande Games at one point. This is originally a 2009 game. Matt Gertz, if that sounds familiar, he did Concordia, among many other games. Antica, Antica 2 are also some of his games that he's done. Anyway, we heard a lot about this game. It's a pseudo area control risk light game, but you know you don't have any of the pieces. You're just trying to manipulate the pieces to gather profit, just like the, the title says. But you get to do that for two to three hours, it says. So it sounds like a blast to me. That is my number three. Yeah, I'm actually interested in trying this one, Adam. I, when I first heard about it, I was like, oh, this sounds like a heavy war game. And maybe it is. But when I heard Matt Gertz was attached to it and you know, Concordia is so streamlined and I've heard that of some of his other designs as well. I think this is probably going to be at least a, a an interesting experience. We'll see how we enjoy it. But I, I'd like to give this one a try. This is another one that I'd be happy to maybe cover on the show sometime. Yeah, it sounds pretty unique as far as board games go. Cool. All right. Well, my number three is Taiwan and Suyu, The Incan Empire. This is designed by David Turksey. This is uh, David Turksey's first solo design in the T series. He's done most of the, the solo modes, but this is the first time he's designed the full board game for a T series. And what I've heard recently is this is one of the heaviest in the series as well. But I don't really know how this game plays, but what I know is that if you look at the board, it's a big old pentagon of different levels. Looks like an ancient temple from you know Mayan era. Around these different levels of this pentagon is a ton of icons, like 200 icons spread across this board. But it's spread across this, this pentagon of different levels is in, in icons and in, in kind of temple tracks or whatever is a ton of little colored meeples. And I assume it's some kind of worker placement or worker movement type of game and we're moving things around again was i don't know anything about how this game actually plays but i know it looks cool as heck and you know it's in the t-series from these italian design group and i've liked some of david turkson's other work that he's done so i'm excited to give this one a try this is my next t game that i want to i want to give a shot to i would like to try this one too it looks interesting always interested to see what david turkson has to offer 
I love the theme here. I like the Incan Empire and all they had to offer. I think it's often overlooked and it's just something I want to learn more about, whether it's through board games or visiting or reading about. Um, this game looks fascinating to me. Yeah. And so far, some pretty cool experiences with the T-Series games. So sounds like a good choice. All right. Well, speaking of the Italian designers that we've been raving about this episode, my number three game is Anunnaki Dawn of the Gods, designed by Simone Luciani and Danilo Sabia and published by Cranio Creations. It's actually not out yet. This is a Kickstarter game that has not yet delivered. It looks like a dream come true to me. This game is designers that I love that have stepped away from ancient civilizations and cities whose names start with T and have gone into full sci-fi and mythology mode in a game where you're ancient gods colonizing Atlantis in like ancient Earth. And it's got all the different factions that you'd expect. It's kind of got all the, the factions from the Eric Lang series, Greek gods, the Egyptian gods. It's like the whole panoply there. And it's this interesting combination of combat, uh, resource management, area control, and with a pedigree like this, you know, designers who I really like, who always come up with interesting mechanisms combined with Cranio Creations, which always seems to put out really nice productions of the games by the folks who put in these great mechanisms. It just seems like a complete winner. And one thing that I noticed that was just an example of the cool mechanisms that they have in this game, each faction has your major god and then a series of minor gods. You put them out in a very specific way. You have an action board, which is shaped sort of like a pentagram, and you can move around to these different spots, these little points on the pentagram. But even though you can move anywhere you want to, if you move them such that you surround a particular icon, like if you take the actions that surround an icon, then once that's done, you can take that icon and put that god out on the board. So in a way, you're choosing your actions because of the action that you get to take. But you're also choosing that action because it's going to let you put another powerful character out on the board. And then there's all kinds of other stuff in there. There's combat, there's commerce, there's all all kinds of crazy stuff happening. So it sounds like a big, fun stew of exciting things that I want to play. And I am just dying to see this one. All right. On on this just in, Jin has a special follow-up. I do. On September 21st, 2020, I sent a text message to both Adam and Tim. The text message went something like this. It said, do either of you guys know anything about this game? It came up in my feed today and I love the idea because I live on Mariposa and Mariposa has kind of been a big word for me and my kids for the last year and a half. And there's a long story about a kid's book and the tale of finding a home. It's cute. And then, oh, Tim says early reviews are good. Hmm. wonder what happened here. It's supposed to be a bit on the lighter side, but fun. Oh my gosh. And Adam never responded. Man, do you know what? I just made up a huge story <laughs> and blame both of you. I was getting so nervous. I thought you had like some, I thought you had, this This was like the Geraldo Riviera where he opens the safe from the Titanic and like expecting to find some great stuff and you just pulled a big old pile of. Right. This is like Al Capone's vault. <laughs> I mean, it's proof that I can find anything via text message, right? Like in five seconds or less, but 
man, Tim said buy it like two years ago, basically. And then I probably said, well, Tim, why didn't you buy it like two years ago? And then Adam didn't participate. And that's just disappointing. That's <laughs> quite a smoking gun there, Jen. <laughs> I want to ignore whatever happened there with Jen. And I want to talk about Anunnaki. This is a game I was looking at too, Chris. I'm glad again. I feel like I want to give your list a big giant hug and squeeze it because all these games <laughs> you're talking about just seem fantastic to me. This is another one. You're hitting them out of the park, Chris. Can't look, Can't wait to play this one. I hadn't heard anything about this game, but I'm looking at the production right now. And, and first of all, they like the game boards and kind of the mechanisms Chris was explaining. Sounds really cool. It sounds fun. But I don't know if I want to mix my Italian designers with big plastic minis. Something feels a little dirty about that, a little tainting. The I, I feel like we need a little more beige in this game. I, I would love to play this. So, Chris, let's let's give this one a shot sometime. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll have to cover it when it's, you know, out to Kickstarter backers. All right. Awesome. My number three is Honey Buzz. And so shout out to the listeners for really participating in the brainstorming process on um, Facebook group page slash other social media platforms. I was looking through the list and I was like, oh, nothing, nothing's really, really sparking my interest. How am I going to fill in this fifth game? But this ended up being my number, I don't know, what was this at this point in time? This would have been my number two, I think, had I not given the shout out to Mariposa earlier from from Chris, but yeah, so Honey Buzz. So I'm sure you guys are Googling away. My fa- It's worker placement and tile placement, which are my favorites. And the best part about giving a quick look over on this game is that the worker placements are beeples, not <laughs> meeples. These suckers are beeples. Just like moment of silence for that, people. That's magnificent. Yeah. There's nothing about that. And then, I mean, they didn't stop the puns there. There's like, you purchase stuff from the bear market, right? Because they're talking about, I mean, it's good. Like you just have to have to play with that. But you have to build your hive, gather your nectar, you're producing honey. Whoever has the most gold, again, you're going back to that bear market. It just looks, I mean, the word delightful, I think we say it a lot, but it really feels like it fits that mold a lot. The puns involved, they make me so happy. Um, it looks like easy enough it looks like it's pleasant the production the 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 beeples they look high quality it looks like something that would be fun to touch and feel and so i don't know i feel like the cute count for this one is probably with like the calico on my list from last year but tim when i we were talking about it i was already online looking to purchase it because i was i was ready to my daughter's nickname is b and so everything with her, it's bee themed. And so, yep, like, let's bring this sucker home along with Mariposa. And I feel like I've got games that, I mean, these better pan out. These better be amazing. Jen, the buzz for this one was real. I took a look at this one too. The production is outstanding. Like you mentioned, there's these blobs of, it looks like different kinds of honey, maybe some clover honey, maybe some black cumin flower honey, maybe some orange blossom honey that you're using to track these different, whatever they are. It looks like a delightful game. I would love to play this one. Yeah. This one feels like a, it feels like a no brainer. And I, even though it'd be something that would be right up my alley, I feel like I'd also have no problem convincing my in-person people, my online people, like whatever it took, I feel like this one would be something that would be easy to get everybody on board. Yeah. And the weight is 2.75. So probably a great fit to introduce your kids. Um, this is something that you've introduced them to things of some similar weight. And this was published by Elk Creek Games. The designer was Paul Solomon, but Elk Creek Games designed Merchants of the Dark Road or pu- sorry, published it. And that was a fantastic production, regardless of how we felt about the game. The production was out of this world. So I think 
you know, that's something that Elf Creek is known for doing really well. So I bet Honey Buzz is going to look really cool and, and be really fun to play at the table. That game looks fun and cool and cute. Okay, my number two game that I want to play, stop me if you've heard this one before. I'm going to sound like a broken record. It's Battle for Roku Gone. This is by Molly Glover and Tom Jolly. I think I've brought it to every con we've ever had. We've never gotten it to the table. I've played it on the table by myself with like four factions trying to battle, trying to bluff myself out. This game is has area control elements and some clever card play elements, but it has a light rules overhead and it's quick. Five snappy rounds, get control of the area, get the bonus card. You get to use that in the next round to try to uh, manipulate the table and win the game. It has beautiful colors. The art is fantastic. I even colored in all the edges of the tokens to make them more beautiful. That's as far as I've gotten with this one. I would, I think that you guys would love this game. Battle for Rokugan. Yeah, you've talked about this one a lot and, and we've never played it. So was this on a recent, a previous year's list or just a on the table segment or it has to be on some list or another i don't know if it was a two years ago list or three years ago list however many lists we done i'm sure it was on one of those or was it not i just want to emphasize how okay. sad i am that we never get to play this one <laughs> adam bring this one to sedona in the spring and we'll we'll get this one played yeah why have you never chosen it as your game there's always a more hyped game onk <laughs> or we have to do some eric lang trilogy we're obligated to do something else or do this or do that i do have to say that at our last conference or the last con that we all did together like we played so many fun games but there were so many games that we knew already and like the next time we get together i kind of want to play a bunch of games that we haven't played before and uh you know step into some new stuff so i'm excited for this next round all right well my number two is a game called Revive. And Revive is uh, expected to be released in 2023. I think this might have been a Kickstarter or it's just been kind of marketed because I've seen some stuff about this for several months. Uh, I don't think it's available. It actually has a 2022 release date on it. So maybe it's getting out to backers. No, it doesn't even look like it was a, it wasn't even a crowdfunded game. So maybe it's just been on the convention circuit or something like that. Anyway, Revive is a kind of post-apocalyptic game set 5,000 year after, years after everything was destroyed and you're a tribe of humans trying to bring things back. So kind of a cool theme there. Really beautiful production. But what really drives me into this game a little bit is everybody has this unique player board or maybe it's even the central board. I don't know. But it's this board with a whole bunch of like tracks. It almost feels like an old tech tree from an old video RP, video game RPG or something like that. But this the player boards just look fantastic. It seems like there's, yeah, I think those are individual player boards. It's crazy. There's all kinds of tracks on it. There's this big um, area out in the middle on the main board, which looks kind of like an area control type of thing where you're putting meeples out there. I don't know what's going on in this game. The artwork on the cards or there's cards with some pretty minimal kind of graphic design as far as what you're doing on them. But the artwork on them is just gorgeous. These like futuristic humanoids and, and kind of androids. This game just looks cool. And here's the mechanism set that is listed on Board Game Geek. And this got me extra excited about it. The, the mechanisms listed, deck, bag, and pool building. I don't know if that means it includes all three or if it's just in that mechanism set. But if it includes all three, I am like 100% in. Like those are some of my favorite mechanisms to play entirely so yeah i'm excited about revive i don't know much about it at this point maybe that excitement will die down once i learn a little bit more it's got an 8.3 rating with 765 ratings or 755 ratings so some people must own this game maybe it came out in europe um, i haven't seen it around in the united states this was designed by helg messner Eilif svensson anna wormland and christian amundsen otsby 
And those are some familiar names to me, so I don't remember what other games we played by them. These are the same guys that do Capital Lux 2, one of Chris's favorite games, uh, which is, a, I don't know what's wrong with you guys. The game's awesome. And they put out another few excellent games too. This Aporta Games has a, a nice repertoire, a nice library of games that they put out. I've had my eye on this one too, Tim. I would love to play this game. It looks outstanding. All right, cool. I've had my eye on this one also. And I mean, that sounds like we've got an episode in the making here. I mean, this game looks really cool. And my only question is 5,000 years and they haven't given (laughs) up yet or 5,000 years. And they're just starting to think about bringing things back. I mean, there's some thematic issues there. I don't know, Chris. I don't know. It sounds exactly like what would actually happen when most of the civilization dies off and um, you can't grow anything. And eventually... There's an opportunity. I don't know. I'm excited. I'm excited to be a part of this revival with Revive. Good. Well, I, I think we, we're pretty enthusiastic about it, too. All right. Well, that brings me to my number two game, which is another one that I think Adam will approve of, and that is Chaos in the Old World by Eric Lang and published by Fantasy Flight Games, which I believe is actually the third time at least that Fantasy Flight has come up in our list tonight. Uh, this is an old school game. I mean, this is not a new one. It's been around for a while, and it's another one of those no-brainers for me. Kind of one of the ones where I go, why haven't I played this yet? I love Eric Lang games. I love area control games. I love async combat games. This checks all those blocks. And I actually like Cthulhu Wars, and it looks like there's so much of what happens in Cthulhu Wars probably came directly from Chaos in the Old World. Highly async combat gods battling over the map trying to destroy humanity in the world in their own nasty disgusting ways kind of dark theme which is fun for me i don't know what that says about me but it's something that i consider really interesting and you can't beat eric lang i've never played an eric lang game that i haven't liked except marvel united i feel like i had to say that but this is one that unfortunately if I decide I love this game, I'm going to have to bust out the checkbook because the only way to get it is is on eBay at this point, probably for multiple hundreds of dollars. But I've gotten multiple recommendations on it, and it looks like a super cool game, and I'm just dying to get this one played this year. So, Jen, let me tell you a little bit about this game, something I think it's an important detail, and tell me if you're interested. The board game is a piece of stretched out flesh spread across the board that you're playing area control on. You in? Immediately, no. <laughs> but that's so fun. And there's a horned rat expansion, Jen. You can put that on there too. And even more fun. You guys know me so well. I don't, I'm just trying to push it out of my brain. You put it into my brain. Now I'm gently or not so gently just pushing the image out of my brain. Adam, talk some sense into these people. I don't know what to that. Tim, you have any interest in playing this one? You yeah, like- I, I'd like to. I mean, I like Eric Lang. I expect that this is going to feel a tad outdated, especially, you know, I know Cthulhu Wars, right? And I think that Eric Lang's newer games are better than Cthulhu Wars. So, uh, you know, I think this is more dice rolling. Also, did you guys notice that all the, the cards in the game are all white bordered? I'm not sure why that matters so much to you. I mean, who really cares about that? <laughs> I, I'd, I'd be happy to play this game. So, Chris, you pick this up. I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm all over it. All right. So my number two numbers just at this point, I'm just trying to. Numbers are hard. Yeah, numbers are hard. <laughs> my number two is a Steffenfeld game. It is Bora Bora. I am super excited about this. So we can take it a step back. And we did kind of allude several times as um, over the course of this episode that uh, Tim introduced Danielle and I to um, a Steffenfeld this weekend bonfire. 
just like said yes, boom, taught it, caught on, great, felt awesome, little dopamine hits all over the place, let's build some fires, and I don't remember the premise. I know there was fires and- Trolls or something? Trolls. No, that's Well, I mean, we had lots of different- Yodas. There was, yeah, there was Yodas, Yodas is what they turned out. And lots of Jesuses. Jesuses and Yodas all over the board. All the Jesuses and Yodas were walking around the board because I, that's exactly what they looked like, so- It's a good Christmas game, it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> come back we're coming back yeah (laughs) here we go so uh okay so yeah i'm crying my mascara off at this point in time so bora bora number two stefan felt game i am really excited i think that you know we've always said with castles of burgundy that i really like a dry midway euro and um every time we kind of introduce them to me they become part of my repertoire in some some way so um I mean, we had Castles of Burgundy, then we had Carpe Diem, which was not a hit for me, I don't think, the first time. I think it actually ended up not working. I think we played it online the very first time I played it. It didn't end up really being a hit. And then got t- Castles of Tuscany, and did Tim get that for Christmas or something. It was on one of my lists. It didn't even make it off my list that year, I don't think, until a long time later. But that now it's a huge hit. We've played the heck out of that. Notre Dame played the heck out of that. And then bonfire i used you said danielle requested the next day so i have no doubt that's coming onto the table so it just doesn't make any sense for my list for the top five for next year to not have at least one steffenfeld if not 1400 steffenfelds at this point in time and so this one to me felt like it's a little bit more complex but the fact that we put bonfire on the table and it wasn't intimidating and it just kind of fell right into it i'm i feel like let's just do it let's just do it as long as I learn a game at like 10 o'clock in the morning, I feel like I am ready. Like that's the key hour. Like if you want to teach me a new board game, 10 a.m. is the key hour. Anytime later than that. And I'm like, oh, but I'm really tired. And just, yeah. So they're coming out with a revamped version of this one. I don't know if you guys knew. It's called Cusco. And that's coming out in 2023. So that's Cusco's a little town in, I believe it's Peru. Kind of a, a way station for people en route to Machu Picchu. But uh, I've had my eyes on this one. It looks beautiful, Jen. So that's coming out in 2023. I think that what the key point here is that no matter if we ended up playing Bora Bora or if we end up doing the revamped version, I get points either way or maybe even double points um, for, for knocking this one off my list. I think that's the key point that you just brought up. Yeah, you'll score on either one. That sounds good. I'm just glad that Stefan Feld didn't do Mariposas because then it wouldn't be Mariposas. It would be Schmetterlings. <laughs> Sounds gorgeous. <laughs> Let's watch those suckers migrate. <laughs> ah, German. Now, one interesting thing, this this game actually came up after we played Bonfire the other day and Jen was like, so what are some of Stefan Feld's other, you know, top games? And so we were looking on the Board Game Geek, you know, the, the, his top rankings. Number one is Castle Burgundy, right? No brainer. Um, I think it's rated around like 30 or 35 at this point. Number two is Trajan, which just fell off the top 100. So Stefan Feld, believe it or not, only has one single game in the Board Game Geek top 100. I believe it. That is a prime. No, it's actually number 17 the last time we looked. So let's just be accurate with our Castles of Burgundy rankings. Castle of Burgundy, number 17. Perfect. But number three was Bora Bora. And I think it's ranked somewhere around uh, 250. Yeah, 250. So that's that was shocking to me, considering how prolific he is and how loved his games are that they're not more higher up on the list. But I think that there does have a lot to do with the, the the production and stuff like that. I'm interested to see, you know, Queen is kind of taking over 
Uh, he's formed a relationship with Steppenfeld and is revamping a lot of these games. That's where the Kuska uh, version is coming in. And I'll, uh, we may we may be hearing about some other Steppenfeld games from the Queen list coming up here. But uh, it'll be interesting because they tend to do a little bit nicer production. So we'll see if maybe having a better production and you know some kind of second editions of these games start to push them up the list a little bit instead of the old you know, classic Ravensburger style. I'm excited. I mean, it's worker placement with dice. So let's play. Let's go. My number one game that I'd like to play is called Pessoa. That's P-E-S-S-O-A. This game is designed by Orlando Sa and art by Marina Costa. And the publisher is Pythagoras Games. These may all sound familiar because they're the same crew that did Cafe. Check out the theme here. It's super interesting to me. It's about Fernando Pessoa. That's the namesake here. He was an author, a Portuguese poet, at the turn of the 19th century. Is that right? From going 1800s to 1900s? I think that's right. Uh, A poet, writer, a critic, translator, publisher, a philosopher, describes one of the most significant literary figures of the 20th century. And the way he wrote, he had all these pseudonyms, but he didn't call them pseudonyms because he thought his intellect was kind of split up more of a split personality. So he called them heteronyms. So in this game, you're playing one of his heteronyms, it's a worker placement game with special rules for each heteronym, but you're all still the same person, right? You're the same guy, Fernando Pessoa. There's a little bit of history there. I like the educational aspect. So on theme alone, this one has me drawn in. There's a bunch of modules you can add in to increase or decrease the complexity of the game. The base mode sounds relatively simple, much like Cafe with light rules overhead, but some very interesting decisions then I like this ability to add more in if you want to get more complex decisions for the game. I was really impressed with Pythagoras's other game that I own. That's Cafe. On those grounds alone, Pessoa and the premise and the theme here have me very interested in wanting to play this game in the near future. I'd never heard of this game before, or I'd never heard of uh, Fernando Pessoa either. But uh, the reason I probably never heard of it, it is ranked 5,323 overall on Board Game Geek. So this has not gotten a lot of recognition, but it's not a bad ranking. It's a 7.5 rating overall. The table presence here looks really cool. Like the main board has four different regions on it. It looks like maybe you can purchase some cards, uh, but there's like four different kind of different areas you can interact with this board and kind of a, a spinner in the middle, not a spinner, but like a rotating area that probably rotates around and changes the Actually, I don't know. This looks like a lot of cool Euro type of mechanisms with a cool table presence. So seems fascinating. And it looks like it has that same really pleasant Art Nouveau kind of table presence like Cafe did, which haven't played yet, but seen the pictures and this looks really neat. Agreed. It looks fun. I'm going to get this one soon. It's a little tough to get a hold of, but uh, I'm going to keep my eyes open. All right. My number one game is a Steffenfeld game published by Queen Games. It actually just got released. It is available to purchase and buy and play immediately. And this is Marrakesh. Marrakesh is a new design. It is not a remake, you know, in the in the Queen City collection. It's it's an original game. And I don't know why I'm drawn to this. I I just the table presence, this board has so much stuff going on. It looks like again like 18 different regions on this main board and a whole bunch of stuff on your player boards and just all kinds of things happening here. And that gets me excited with what Steffenfeld's doing here. And I've heard some good early reviews. I just, you know, when it was out on the con circuit last year, I had a listener, a couple podcasts that mentioned it that were Feld fans and they were raving about it. 
yeah, so I'm just excited about it. Don't really know how it plays at this point, but I am excited to get my hands on it or at least get a chance to play it sometime soon. Is it going to be the traditional, is it going to be like a point salad? Is it like any? I think so. Um, I think it might be a little bit heavier than some of his other stuff. Let me see what the rate, um, the weight rating on it is rated at 3.3, which is a little bit higher than like Castle Burgundy, but it's not drastically. So it's going to be, it's probably about bonfire weight, probably unique action selection stuff. Cause that's what he does. Well, it's got a cube tower in it. Cube towers are fun. That means you, you know, drop cubes into a tower and they're going to come out randomly and seed what kind of actions you can do. I think some open drafting looks fun to me. So I'm, um, I just want to give it a shot. I'm in. Give this one a shot too. Why not? Yeah. The cube tower really took it over the edge for me. Nice. That's unfortunately something that wouldn't carry well over on tabletop simulator versus in person. So may not be a great online review target, but who knows? Maybe we can make it work. Jen, you're in. Maybe we'll have to pick this one up. I think we'll get some plays around here. I don't know. Things that don't translate well on tabletop simulator. Was that the one where we played the um, Quacks of Quedlinburg yeah. and you know you shake the bags yeah. and we pull them out and then Steve pulling out like 75 <laughs> right. things that he or i don't remember somehow when there's something a little bit extra i feel like you never know what's gonna happen things that don't translate well on tabletop simulator everything <laughs> oh, we can make a whole episode about that i'm sure that everyone would love to listen to us sitting out <laughs> fetching about it i love it so is this a stefan fell game with some colors in it tim is that what's going on here it does yeah, well that's what i said right the queen collection i think you guys are going to start to find a little bit more interesting productions than what we've seen traditionally from his design. So I, I'm, you know, I'm excited to see. I've the great reviews on the first couple. I think it was Hamburg and Amsterdam, maybe were the first two in the collection that were just sent out from Kickstarter. And uh and then Marrakesh, and there's like one other one that also are being sent out right now. And the, I I know a couple of people that have played some of those so far and they're loving them. So and you know, some of them are re-implementations of older games, some of them are new. But Marrakesh is the one that for some reason just sparked my interest from when the this, I first heard the the mechanisms talked about and can't wait to try it. All right. Well, my number one game, I am so excited about. It almost makes me feel all like Twittery. Yet it's a game that I have a hard time believing I will ever actually get played. And that is my father's work designed by TC Petty and published by Renegade Game Studios. Why would I not get this played, you might ask? Well, it's advertised as a three-hour game which means for us probably six to 10 hours. It's a big game, fairly complex. It involves an app integration. So it's probably not one that we'd be playing online. It's one that you probably need the physical copy to play. So there's a lot of things in there that are going to make this one a very difficult game to get to the table. But oh my goodness, talk about a heavily thematic resource management game. You play three generations of mad scientists trying to carry out your crazy arcane experiments while not freaking out the locals and getting, you know, pitchforked out of town in a blaze of fire. You play the son, the grandson or daughter, and great-grandson or daughter. Each round is a generation. And in each one of these, you have your, your character, you have the character's spouse, and you have the caretaker. You're building out your mansion you're collecting up all the, the knowledge and arcane mastery that you need to, to do these experiments. You have a creepy track. I, just looking at this game, it, it looks so exciting to me. It's got similar to Cthulhu Death May Die. It has different modules so you can sort of mix and match the different pieces that you're playing with. Like what story do I want to play? What set of, 
of variables do I want to play with. But thematically, this game just catches my attention in every way possible. It's got a great looking production. It has fun looking mechanisms. I shed a bitter tear thinking that this is a game that I probably won't won't be able to actually get played. But oh, man, I want to play it so bad. Chris, T.C. Petty, you know some of his other games that he's designed? He is the original Xenon Profiteer, a game that I mentioned and that I love, deck building game where you're trying to extract Xenon out of the atmosphere. Fantastic. And then... And then making a movie out of it, right? I, I, <laughs> I can't wait. Rival Xenon Profiteers dueling it out to make the best projector lamp. It's going to be fascinating. And then uh, G.I. Joe, the deck building game. I can't believe we haven't played that one yet. Another one we're probably going to have to play in the future. He's got some very interesting titles. A lot of them, these wacky IPs. He's got a game called Handsome. I, I want to check out that one. He's got a hostage <laughs> nego- negotiator uh, pack that he's done. Power Rangers deck building game. Just some interesting stuff that he's worked on. And a designer I'd like to follow, um, that's T.C. Petty III. In this game, my father's work looks fantastic. Chris, what, what I've heard about the game is one of the reasons why it's so long is that there are narrative elements, story elements that happen and you listen on the app and they can yeah. they can go quite long. So you might be playing a game and then have like a 10-minute pause while you're listening to a story be read out loud. Now, I'm all in on that. If you and I live close together, I'd say, pick this up. We'll get it played for sure, right? But like I couldn't suggest that we we bring this to a con and then spend five hours playing through one session of this. I think it's got some kind of campaign element too, right? I don't think, I think the three hours is like one session and then you're supposed to play over multiple sessions. That's my, un, I, my maybe very uninformed understanding of it. I, I'm not sure. I mean, I think that it's more of like a, a death may die uh, modular kind of situation. Okay. It may okay. be, I, but I think you're right about the narrative elements. I was watching a, uh, a review video of this and they were showing these like pages of text on the app that it's that you get to read or, or have mm-hmm. read to you so i mean i don't i don't begrudge you guys that at all that this is not something we bust out to sit down and play on the few hours that we have you know a couple times a year to play together yeah but but one of these days one of these days i'd love to get that one played well when you move to phoenix and we're closer together again then you know we'll, we'll knock it out okay uh, just some other uses of xenon you can use them in premium energy drinks they've been linked to increased epo a la lance armstrong also used by the government to help uh, post-traumatic stress disorder patients. So just some fascinating stuff I wanted to share with you guys. And it was a great pinball machine circa 1985, I'd say. Is it called Xenon? Xenon. Oh, that's awesome. It's my turn. Is this it? Is this the last yeah, one? Grand finale. Zip. This is the last one. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, my number five, number one. Yeah, there's no order to my list. Like, we're going to have to go back and, like, throw them in the air. And you just, I can, re, I can renumber them at some point in time if someone's really interested in what my number one and my number five was. The last one that I will talk about tonight, which is my number one game, is My Little Everdell. I am obscenely excited about this, right? So I like Ever, Everdell. I think it's a great game. I loved the episode where we interviewed the designer. That was that was so much fun. It takes me back to those memories of those times, those early days of doing the podcast and just how free-spirited it was. When we learned that game in person, Tim taught it to Danielle and I, I believe, on, on, your, on his birthday. It was that and Artemis Project. Again, going back to some of those bigger, beefier games that came onto the table um, in 2020. Again, they just have warm fuzzies attached to them. And so the fact that they came out with this little version, I know you, you all have touched on it, um, um, at this point, probably more than once on the podcast, but I'm excited about it. Worker placement, the tableau building for a six plus crowd. 
Um, and I looked at, you know, the, the cards or again, it's just so reminiscent. It makes you feel those things. They didn't dumb down the pieces. I remember when we did talk about Everdell or we played it, we had talked, although I didn't see stones, Tim, is there stones in it? No, there's no stones in it. That's how they, that's one of the ways they simplified it was taking one, one of the resources out of it. Those earlier podcasts was, I remember we talked about like the fact that, you know, Adam hadn't wanted to, like the way we were talking about him, Adam couldn't wait to feel the stones. And then we're like, okay, well, what we're going to do is we're going to send one through the mail and we're going to bleach wipe it. And then you're going to send it, you're going to bleach wipe it back. And so it's like the most 2020 conversation that was ever had. But yeah, I just, I couldn't be more excited. I, one of the things last year that my youngest had said is that he wanted board games that had his age on it. And so we got a ton of six plusers last year to add to the collection. And so he's now, you know, flirting. He's going to be flirting with seven at some point, but getting more of those six plus games in there that for us are also still to the point where, you know, we're getting a kick out of it, I think is is going to be vital to keeping him you know, engaged. And I love the focus that it gives him. And so, um, and just how pleased he is to participate um, actively as a fully engaged member of, of the gaming community in that way. So I like it. Again, it's the, it's Everdell. It's the kids of Everdell. They're making a make-believe city. It just sounds, you know, fantasy, phenomenal, warm fuzzies in a way that I can't wait to actually um, touch and feel it in that, in that different mindset. Yeah, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and I actually just got my delivery confirmation on it uh, two days ago. So I will be getting this hopefully in the next couple of days in the mail. I don't know, Jen. You think before Christmas? Yeah, it'll definitely be here before Christmas. Anyway, uh, you can order it right now on the Starling website if you want to get it for kids. But I actually bought this for my family and happy to play it with yours, obviously. But I actually think this could be a fun light. Like to me, this is kind of a Splendor replacement. Like Splendor is fine. This adds just a little bit to it with about the same level of complexity. Maybe this will be something that when Daniel and I just have like 30 minutes before bedtime that we don't want to break out something bigger. I think this could be a great game. We'll see how she feels about it, but I had fun with my plays of it. So, uh, and I think it is light enough for kids to be able to get into and play. So, yeah. And I'd love the concept of putting the four of them down and watching them then play the game, right? Like the concept where we're not having to be there to to actually like handhold the whole time. I love that process, but I also think there's a beauty in having them play a little more complex game where we don't have to to be the the game, push the gameplay forward, so. Well, did you guys have any honorable mentions that almost made your list, but didn't quite make it? I, we're gonna answer a random question, of course. I had a couple. One of them is called Fortune and Glory. The board game. This is basically Indiana Jones, the board game. This is published back in 2011. Look at the font. It just looks like Indiana Jones. From what I understand, this game could be really short because you could die instantly or it could go really long, like four hours, because you might be hanging on and you might have to run away from the boulder and return the relic. And maybe that'll get stolen by the Nazis and then you have to catch it back from them. So all this crazy stuff happens. You're traveling around the world. It looks pretty neat, pretty thematic, but pretty goofy as well. So that's kind of a fun one. And the game that's not out yet, but allegedly coming soon, is called Where Humans Don't Belong. And this is a solo game. You're in this hostile galaxy. Everything's trying to kill you. There's all these different planets that you can go to. There are these different ring worlds you can go to and explore. It's just the production looks fantastic. It's coming soon. I've got my eyes on it. It looks pretty fantastic. That's Where Humans Don't Belong and Fortune and Glory, the cliffhanger game. 
a hostile world where everything wants to kill you, a.k.a. Australia. There was really no uh, other... I didn't have any runners-up. I actually had a hard time making this list. I don't know. I'm, I'm having fun playing the games I've got. When something strikes my fancy, I usually try to get it played pretty quickly. So I just didn't have a big you know, backlog of things that I'm super excited about and haven't been paying too much of attention to you know, crowdfunding games and, and things like that. So maybe that'll pick up a little bit more in the new year. But yeah, right now, I I feel like I got a, so many great games to play that this short list is will be fine. If I can make it through this, I'll be really happy this year. Yeah, and I mean, I usually love runners up, but I don't know, I was just so enthusiastic about the list this time that I just decided not to sully it with such things. Yeah, it was fun to hear your enthusiasm, Kristen. It was just fun to hear all of your enthusiasm for the game list. So, and then also... The big takeaway for me was that I need to play Barrage. It's not optional. It's mandatory at this point in time. So I've been schooled on what I'm missing from my life. And apparently that is that. But next time I will also make sure and rank mine really efficiently and make sure that I understand the numbers one through five versus five through one. Because I think the two that I'm most excited about, which is Honey Buzz and Mariposa, is that those probably should have been like my number two and my number one. But I was just so excited to have a completed list that... They just ran amok, 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 amok. Jen, one last thing while you're here and Tim here. I have a feeling I know where this is going and I'm not going to be happy. Smartphone Inc. <laughs> what happened? We haven't played it yet, actually. So I, I got it set up one night. I couldn't remember how to teach it, right? So I got it set up and I started to look at the rules and Jen and Danielle come upstairs and they're like, oh, you got it set up. Let's play. And I was like, well, I don't want to make it a bad experience where I'm referencing the rule book all the time. So I was like, I'll give you guys a really kind of overview of it, but I really don't remember the details. So I gave them just kind of a rough overview of what the game was. And then I don't remember what happened. For some reason, I had to put it away. So we are going to be getting it out again soon. We haven't actually played it yet. And I did refresh myself on the rule. So I think I'm ready to jump in and teach it now. But we just have to get it on the table. And it's it's hard to get a new game with these guys. They just have to be in the right state of mind. This last weekend, it was like, we want to play a Feld. So I was like, okay, well, I got one Feld you haven't played. Let's try it. But uh, next time they're ready for a new game, we'll, we'll probably bust that one out pretty soon. 10 a.m. Saturday. Like, that's a no, it's a no-brainer. Like, <laughs> in my head, I hadn't heard anything back about it yet. So in my head, it, things went terribly bad. It was, let's not tell out about it and let's sh- shove it under the rug. And we won't talk about it anymore. No. Nah. No, I think they'll actually enjoy it just fine. This is not like Jen's talking about Barrage and I would be happy to teach Barrage to them. I think they'll get it right away. But I think Danielle's probably, it is punishing, right? And she you, she mentioned that she doesn't like punishing games and that one can really feel like where again, someone can get in your way and she just gets so frustrated when someone can just stop your planes, you know, like I do. And so I don't know how well it's going to go over, but I'm happy to try it. You know how much I love that game too. And Jen seems game now. So maybe we got to get it. Maybe it'll just be a Jen and Tim two-player game at some point but so smartphone link will be coming up soon all right cool well thank you everyone for joining us for our top five games we want to playlist if you stick around this year you might actually get to hear us talk about our thoughts on these as we get through them over the course of this coming year this is the episode that releases right before the christmas holiday and so if you celebrate christmas merry christmas if you don't happy holidays for whatever holiday you celebrate glad you joined us for another year we want a golden geek nomination for best podcast this year so my only request for Christmas is get out and vote when the nominations become available in the next month or two. Keep an eye on that. I might keep mentioning it a couple more times. Until next time, take care, everybody. Good night, all. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. 